Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. A new study from Pew reveals something that shouldn't surprise anyone, and that is that acceptance for cohabitation is pretty high among Catholics. It seems a shame, but uh, this isn't the first time we've realized this. With me right now to talk about, again, what we know from the social sciences about cohabitation is Dr. Gregory Popcheck. He's director of the Pastoral Solutions Institute, which is a Catholic telecounseling practice providing marriage and mental health counseling services for Catholics worldwide. He and his wife, Lisa, um, authors of more than 20 books on relationships and spirituality. And you can hear Greg and Lisa every day at 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the radio program More to Life. Greg, good to have you here. Good to be here, Al. Thank you. Well, this is a, you know, I don't know what to say. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not a surprise, but somehow no. it's still... it's still Depressing. St- yes, it still hurts <laughs> to see this. Well, and I, and I prefer to see it as a challenge, and I'll offer some suggestions yeah. for maybe ways that we can move forward with this. But yeah, this most recent Pew uh, Research study found that acceptance of cohabitation has increased to about 78% overall. 74% of Catholics believe that cohabitation is just as good as marriage. 74%. 74%. So great. roughly just a few percentage points under the, the population in general. That's correct, yeah. Um, which is interesting because among the unchurched, 90% believe that cohabitation is just as good as marriage. Yeah. So that's significantly higher. But what's really even more interesting to me is that only 35% of evangelicals uh, believe that cohabitating before marriage is acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. So you know we've got we've got a gap there between uh, Catholic belief and and evangelical uh, understanding of the same issue. So you know we've got to do something different here as a church, I think, to engage this issue. You know, I was I was participating in a few online discussions about this study with uh, some you know other Catholics, and one of the things that they pointed out was, uh, well, you know, we. we Everybody knows what the church teaches on this, you know, as as if there was nothing more we could do except yeah. tell people what the teaching was. As though was. we can recite the rule or something. And I guess I was just sort of dumbfounded by that idea. I mean, right. I've heard that from priests and bishops and from other, you know, lay Catholics as well, that, well, you know, everybody knows what the teaching is. We told them already. How come that isn't working? And I have to kind of step back and say, you know, as a parent, if you tell your kid, you know, your three-year-old, for example, don't run on the street, but you don't hold your kid's hand while you walk across the street. Right. You're not doing your job. Right. You know? right. It's not enough to tell people what the rules are. You have to provide both a context for why those rules exist, but even more importantly, you have to provide practical pastoral support to be able to live those things out. And that's where we're really falling down. I think, you know, what, what we'll find is that among conservatives, um, conservatives will, will kind of believe that telling is enough. You know, if I just tell it convincingly or with conviction, then people will get it. Progressives, I think, are a little more passive-aggressive about it. They don't tend to believe in these teachings anyway, so they they, right. they don't want to apply their pastoral practice to this. They just want to say, well, I, I told them what to do, and, and look, it's too hard, so I guess the teaching is wrong. That's right. You know? we should, and some even go so far as to say we should change the teaching. Exactly. <laughs> You know, too many kids are running into the street, so I guess we should just, uh, you know, let's just tell everybody to run into the street instead of just, how about we just hold their hands? That's you know? right. Um, and and, and, and yeah. in fact, there are, there are negative consequences, personal and social consequences to this. It isn't as though this is just a matter of opinion that no. somehow, well, you know, it's, what, if whatever you believe is fine. Well, look, they, these are, there are real-world consequences to this. 
And in fact, the, the, the Pew study did find that as well. Um, they, they found that uh, married adults are much happier, or their relationships are more stable, and they have more trust uh, of each other in terms of uh, financial issues, parenting issues, household chores than cohabiting couples do. And of course, there's tons of research that shows that as far as children are concerned, cohabiting is absolutely contrary to both the physical and mental health uh, of children overall. So, you know, mar- cohabiting is not equal to marriage on any metric, uh, no matter what people say or believe. Yeah. You know, the people, well, I'm sure some listeners are saying, well, how, why is it then that evangelicals have such a, a better attitude on this than Catholics, generally speaking? I think in some ways it's pretty obvious, and that is most evangelicals actually believe they come out of a revivalist tradition, and they actually believe that they should, when they make a decision to follow Christ, that it means they're going to think and act differently than the world. Yeah, you know. Yeah, well, you know, I, it's interesting that you'd say that because we were we were just uh, doing a show actually recently on the topic of compliance versus conversion. Yeah, yeah. And I think that 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 Catholics can fall into the trap of believing that they're the same thing. That that just showing up for Mass, just right. saying words at God is somehow sufficient. But, of course, our Catholic faith really does call us to take God and our faith into our hearts and carry that out into the world. You know, our, our, something that a lot of people don't realize, but, but families are supposed to be the primary engines of evangelization and positive social change. We're so, the Church teaches us that, that it's not the Church's job to change the world, it's our job right. as laity to consecrate the world to Christ. Yeah. Um, but we don't get that message, and we're not supported in making that a, a, an actual practice, whereas that is a very central theme in evangelicalism. It is. It is. And I, you know, I think this is just something we're going to have to, there's a social ethos within American Catholicism, and it is very worldly, very accommodating. So here's the opportunity. I'm, I'm, going, to, yeah. I'm going to throw this out because I, I think this is just one of those things that's so crazy it just might work. Uh, and anytime I've suggested it, in fact, I, I suggested this to a, a priest convocation that I was speaking with, the diocese will remain nameless to protect the guilty. Um, but I was, I was sharing this idea with them and they kind of laughed at me. Uh, I, I think part of it was shock value and part yeah. of it was they didn't think that was there was a lot of merit in the idea. But I want to put this out there uh, because I think that it would change things. You know, a good chunk, uh, there was about 40% of people who cohabit say that they do so out of financial necessity. And there's something to that, of course. It's expensive to, to live uh, these days course. Uh, but my, my point to the, the, the priests I was speaking to is, look, you know, we've got all these buildings, especially uh, rectories, for example, with lots of bedrooms and, you know, a single priest rattling around in them. You know, when, when, a, when a cohabiting couple comes to us for marriage prep and they say, well, we can't afford to separate father until the wedding, why doesn't father say, hey, you know what? Let the guy stay here. <laughs> I've got an extra bedroom. Or for that matter, to say, you know, we're talking about sponsor couples. Let's find let's find good, faithful couples who, who are more mature, maybe have an extra bedroom or two, and say we'd be willing to put up the guy right. for the next couple of months and let him participate in good Catholic family life so that they can see what that would be. I mean, so this is not just giving them a place to live, but a, a formation opportunity, yeah. uh, an, a, an opportunity for us to actually accompany people in living out this challenge that we are presenting to them to live separately until marriage. Yeah. Let's put our money where our mouth is. Yeah, it definitely would indicate that we take this seriously, right? I mean, 
Yeah, I know. Um, and again, I, I, know, I realize that we're, that's crazy and it requires a, a change in thinking about this. But I think that we have to just stop believing that telling people what the rules are is somehow evangelizing people or somehow being pastoral. Being pastoral does not mean letting, you know, changing the rules. It doesn't mean lowering the rules. It means in engaging our hearts in helping people live it out in a meaningful way and right. being willing to sacrifice as much as we're asking them to sacrifice for us. You know, I'm thinking it's a long time since uh, I was, uh, Sally and I were dating and engaged, but I'm trying to get back. I'm, tr I'm thinking, well, okay, say we're planning to get married. It's only a matter of uh, months uh, or a year even. Why not live together anyways because we can share the finances uh, mm -hmm. and it's gonna we're gonna get married anyway so what's the big deal why wait well and and research does tend to show that people who live together once they have become engaged don't have quite the same negative effects as other couples who who cohabit but what but the problem with that large is a bigger issue is that that attitude contributes to the larger sense that cohabiting is just as good as marriage and in reality most people who cohabit don't do so with marriage in mind. Right. And and that's really the larger issue, that people um, who cohabit tend to do what Dr. Scott Stanley uh, uh, describes as they slide into marriage rather than to de deciding into marriage. Uh, and the idea of sliding versus deciding uh, kind of goes this way. So the traditional path to marriage was there would be certain choice points, if you will, in the relationship where we would decide publicly to increase our commitment to each other and decrease our options, right? So maybe you were dating casually, but then you'd decide to, you know, the old term, go steady, right? And there'd be some kind of public commitment there, maybe exchanging jackets or rings or whatever. And you'd, right. you'd kind of say, okay, right. this person is exclusive to me. And then the next stage, you know, we make this public commitment and engagement. There's, right. the, you know, this, uh, this exchanging of the rings. And now we've taken our relationship to the next level. We are choosing to commit more to each other and decrease our options further. Then there's this public ceremony of marriage where we decide to increase our commitment even further and decrease our options even further. And at each point, we are deciding toward the relationship intentionally and consciously. The current path to marriage is a sliding path. This is, again, Dr. Scott Stanley's uh, formulation, where he says, yeah. you know, couples will start sleeping together, and then, you know, since I'm over at your place, well, I've got some, you know, socks and stuff in your drawer, and then half my stuff is in your closet, so all yep. my stuff is there, so I might as well move in, you right. know. And then I'm living there, and you know we've been there a while. Maybe we haven't have a kid or two, and people are kind of looking at us funny, and you know the kids are you know asking us when you're going to get married. And then so we finally do, and that's the first time the couple makes any kind of a conscious decision toward the relationship. And then somebody wakes up and says, "Wait a minute, I didn't choose any of this." Right. And the other right. partner is like, well, what do you mean you didn't choose this? You, you, where were you the whole relationship? Well, they slid into marriage rather than deciding for it. And that's why cohabiting couples have a significantly higher rate of divorce than couples who actually decided for marriage. When individuals decide what they think makes them happy, how high is marriage on that list? Unfortunately, uh, this new study shows that, that uh, about 58% of people believe that you can lead a happy life without marriage. And the problem there, again, is that uh, marriage is almost a necessity for people to enter into the middle class. So you know, you're not able to participate in, in the middle class, generally speaking, unless you're married, especially today with the economic situation being what it is. Yeah. And so the larger social implication for that is, is that cohabiting couples will tend to condemn themselves to a cycle of poverty. What about children? How important are children to happiness? Um, again, uh, most, most people will today say that, that you can live a perfectly happy life without children, according to this la latest study. So it, we, we have a lot of education to do in this. Wow, that's amazing.
It's amazing. Marriage has really effectively been redefined not so much as an institution that exists for the good of children and for the good of society, but as something that exists for uh, personal pleasure yeah. uh, and satisfaction. And certainly there's an element where marriage should be pleasurable sure. and enjoyable and satisfactory, but that's never really been why marriage existed as a social institution. Yeah. You know, the government has no personal interest in your happiness. They do have a great deal of interest in making sure that people take care of their kids and that uh, people are not living on the street. And, and marriage sees to both of those things socially and yeah. by redefining marriage our society is really cutting its own throat the homosexuals did not redefine marriage it was redefined no. it was redefined I think they finally said wait a minute what <laughs> that yeah, was redefined with no-fault divorce really <laughs> right exactly <laughs> all right Greg thanks how do people stay in touch with you catholiccounselors.com dr. Gregory Popcheck I'm Al Cresto <laughs>